What's it say? Come on, people, loosen up. Wow, this is a nice stand. All right. All right, I hope you guys are ready. You ready? I know you just had the 4th of July, but you're not all partied out, are you? All right, we got some good stuff we're going to talk about today. Very excited to be here. Um, Appreciate the opportunity to share some of the things that God's been working on in my life. Uh, We're going to open up. Well, first off, I I need somebody, maybe George, can you you like go when we got five minutes left so I know to wrap it up? Okay, now, George, don't do what my my buddy Chili Willie from downtown Philly did. When uh, that was really his name, that's what he went by. When I was a freshman in college, we had to take English. Anybody ever have a teacher that probably been there about three years longer than they should have? You know what I'm talking about? That was Miss Sherwin. Very nice, but she didn't have a clue what was going on, especially with a, a bunch of college freshman guys. And we get in the room, and she's sitting out there, and she goes, okay, class, I need someone I can trust to help me. What I want you to do is when we have five minutes left, just tell me five minutes. And right away, Chili had his hand up. And and she goes, okay, and and your name? Chili Willie from downtown Philly. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to go bad. It was an amazing class. We would be in there maybe 10 minutes, and then we're off to lunch. I mean, it was just nonstop. Even the girls that were good, they just didn't fight it. They just got up and left, too. So anyways, George, don't go like right now, okay? I'm on to you. Okay. Anyways, if you would. Do I need to stay away from the table? But we're going to look up Luke, uh, Luke in chapter 5. I think we got it up here. Um, If you guys would, um, just out of respect to the Bible, would you guys stand and read this with me? Read it with me, not have me read it, okay? (laughs) This is pretty awesome, okay. All right, I'll start it. Here we go. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees belonged to their sect. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, the sinners to repentance. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's uh, open a prayer real quick. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. I thank you for everybody that's here. We pray for those that are away from us. You bring them back safely. Lord, I just pray now that you would just, uh, you're already here, but may we allow you to work in our hearts today. And Lord, we just want to thank you for what you're going to do ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Okay, so if you read this, you know, probably the first hundred times I read this, it was just like you just read through it, right? No big deal. But one of the things that, that is pretty amazing is if you can go back and see what was going on at the time this was written, okay? Whenever, whenever I read the Bible, and I, and, and I hopefully have gotten the youth doing this, is the first thing we want to go is, okay, who wrote it, okay? So Luke, this should be helpful for you. Who do you think wrote Luke? Oh, good, there you go, very good. And Luke was a doctor, okay? And actually this passage, if you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, uh, a lot of times the story is told in all four of them. In this particular one, it's in three of the four, okay? So we can jump to you know, several passages, and you're going to get a very similar story, written a little differently, because like Luke's a doctor, Matthew's a tax collector. So there's a little bit of difference on how you would write something. But anyways, we want to ask who wrote it, who was this written to? Okay, give me a little bit more. Written to the, but written to the Jewish people, right? God's chosen people. This was written to the Jews. All right, here's another question. This might mess you up a little bit. Was this when we were under the law, the old covenant, or is this written under the new covenant? No. No, it's still written under the old covenant. The new covenant came in when Jesus rose from the dead, right? So actually during Jesus' life, they were still under the old covenant, which was all about works, which is why we see the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, saying, look what I do, okay? Because they were under works. So it's important when you read the Bible, just kind of tidbit, throw that out there. But always ask those questions because it's very important to know who, who you're writing to, and when it was written, okay? Not that we can't get tons out of it, but I want you to understand that's important to know when it was written. Okay. Um, I probably should start on the front page. There we go. All right. As we're looking at this, one of the things, and I know you talked a little bit about last week, but Jesus was a rabbi, okay? And we want to look at rabbis. What do we know about rabbis? They interpreted God's word and how to live it to people. Now, there were a lot of rabbis in that day, and this would be the deal is, in fact, let me just give you a little more background even than that. If you were a good Jewish boy, okay, you would have, by the age of eight, memorized the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. Did you hear what I just said? They had it memorized, forward and backwards. By the age of 12, any other scripture they had memorized. See, back in their day, they, their community might have had one Bible of, of that day, okay? It was not like us, printing press came and everybody's got a Bible. Back in that day, there might have been one Bible. So when they got together, they learned this. And so if you were a good Jewish boy, you would, by the age of 12, have any scripture that they had out memorized. And at the age of 12, you then would go before um, the, the people at the, in the temple, the, the priest. You would go before them, and they would test you. And at the end of that time, they would say, you either know Torah, or you know Torah, but not really. Okay? And so at that point, they would do one of two things. They would put them under a rabbi, and they would be the disciple of that rabbi. Or they would say, 
you know what? You need to go back with your dad, learn his trade, get married, have children, and pray your boys are rabbis. That was a whole, back in the Jewish day, the boys, the goal was for them to be a rabbi and to follow a rabbi. Now, most rabbis were followers of other, the older rabbis, and it had been passed on from generation to generation. Um, and their teachings, they basically had their rules, and this was called Torah, okay? And so if I followed this rabbi, I then was picking up the, his yoke, not Torah, his yoke, which is his rules and what to live by, and his belief system, I would pick that yoke and I would carry it. There's somewhere in the Bible that says my yoke is easy. You remember who said that? Huh? Who said that? Jesus. Absolutely. Okay? So you guys understand that when you followed this rabbi, you picked up the yoke of whatever he believed and whatever he taught you. Okay? And most of them were carried on from generation on down to different rabbis. This is who we follow. Paul, Apollos, that whole deal. Okay? But what you need to understand is for a, a new yoke to come out was very rare. And if there was a new yoke, could somebody get me a glass of water at some point? Yeah, some, is there something up here? I got one right over there. You got another one? Okay. You got it? Thank you. Sorry about that. Okay, so for a new one to come out, they need to have some backing. Now, Jesus came out. Do you think he had a new yoke? Woo! He had a yoke that nobody had ever seen before. So what was important is if someone came out with a new yoke, they needed backing. All right, did Jesus have any backing? Okay, check this out. Number one, John the Baptist was highly regarded, okay? Remember, they used to go out in the wilderness to hear John the Baptist. And I think John the Baptist baptized Jesus, didn't he? Okay, so you, got, that's, you think that's good. How about this one? This is my beloved son of whom I am well pleased. You got backing from God, you're doing real well, right? I mean, that, that to me is a killer. So he had backing to come out. But understand, his yoke was so much different than everybody else's. Um, now, we got to understand, so, so here he is, he's a rabbi, okay? Now, most, all but two rabbis were given their followers, were given their disciples, right? In the synagogue, okay, you go follow this rabbi. And they would literally follow them everywhere. I mean, like, they go into the bathroom, they're standing outside the bathroom waiting for them, they're coming back. They followed them everywhere because they wanted to learn so they could become rabbis, okay? Jesus was one of only two that picked their own, okay? I want you guys to bear with me on this. So now we want to look at Matthew. Who what was Matthew? Tax collector. I, how many of you guys like tax collectors? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, we're no big deal. We'll just kind of stay away from whatever. But back in that day, they hated tax collectors. Because here's the reason why. Now remember, this is to the Jewish community, right? And the tax collectors, they, they were Jews. And they enforced the Roman government's law. Ooh. See what I'm saying? Immediately they're a traitor. 
Why? Because they're inflicting taxes on their people to pay the Romans. Okay? So right away they're pushing that off. Second thing is most of them made some good bank. They got money. You know how they got money? Okay. They would tax the people. But once they paid the government, this is my community, these are my people I tax, right? They could charge anything they wanted. If they could get the people to pay it, they could charge it. So if the government was asking for 15% and, and Matthew said, you owe me 25%, I don't have them, I'm going to throw you in jail. They come up with a 25%. And guess what he does? He takes 10%, right, and gets 15 back. These guys were wealthy. They also didn't have any friends, okay? And they didn't care because they had bank, right? And then it would be like this. You would start out kind of as an apprentice, and then you got good, and then you had people under you, and it kept going. We know later, later on when he talks about Nicodemus, remember the wee little guy? Yeah, he was also a tax collector, okay? And that story, you, you go home today, read that story. It's kind of a follow-up from this. So here we go. We got Matthew is a tax collector. Nobody likes tax collectors. And Jesus comes up. Now, did this ever bother you? It bothered me for a long time. It was kind of like, was Jesus a Jedi? Have you ever wondered that? Because he'd be walking along and go, come, follow me. And people would. All his disciples, it was like, come, follow me. And I thought, that is just weird because I'm thinking, what, why? But here is the deal. Jesus had followers already, okay? And he's coming in. Um, he's walking in. He had just healed the guy that they lifted down. You guys remember the paraplegic? They dropped him in, and, and he had just healed them. And, of course, the Pharisees and Sadducees are getting mad because, like, everybody's liking this Jesus guy, and he's doing these crazy things. So he comes into town, and they know, immediately, they know that he's a rabbi. Now here's, here's my boy sitting at the text collector table, right? Levi, Matthew. Um, my understanding, you know, some people say, well, was it Matthew, Levi, who was it? My understanding from the best of, uh, of what I got is, in Hebrew it was one, in Greek it was the other. So it's the same guy, Okay. Um, and so anyways, Matthew's sitting there, and Jesus says, come, follow me. Whew. See, Matthew was rejected. Matthew wasn't good enough to follow a rabbi. You don't get second chances. And you know, as far as we know, every disciple Jesus had was a loser. He had already been told you're not good enough. You know Torah, but you don't know it well enough. And so for them to get a second chance, that was unheard of. And for Jesus to say, come follow me. Matthew had a second chance. His dream from a child had been dashed, and now it was given back to him. Now, did he give up something? Yeah, he was pretty wealthy. He gave it all up, Okay. But to have the opportunity to get a second chance, okay? You look at the disciples. Now, what would, what would, the, rat, what would the, the Jewish leaders tell them when they've been at the synagogue and they would either say, you know, you need to follow this rabbi, or they would say, go home, learn your father's trade, get married, 
and pray your sons will be rabbis. What were the disciples doing when they were called? Matthew, or, uh, who, who were fishermen? Do you guys remember? Peter, James, John, right? Who were they fishing with? Dad. Okay, these guys were not old. We, we believe that most of, most of the disciples were teenagers. Okay, several different reasons. One, when the, the miracle of they need to pay taxes and they catch the fish, right? How many coins were in the fish? You remember? Those. Okay. At that point, Jesus and I, uh, who was the other one? Peter, maybe? Okay. But why didn't they get coins for everybody? They weren't old enough to do taxes yet. Now, with Matthew, we're not sure because if you're the tax collector, do you really pay taxes? You know what I'm saying? If you're that shady, I don't think he was paying any taxes. But so for him to be called like he was, that was a crazy thing. Um, let's look at the passage in uh, Matthew here, if we could. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Now this is a different passage. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Well, Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. The other one said a feast. What we know it to be is a... Thank you. Thank you, all five of you. And uh, we'll keep working on that. When I say that, and we know it to be a... Okay, you're getting better. You did party a lot on Wednesday. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anyways, he went, Matthew's, he went to eat at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Why were there tax collectors and sinners there? That's the only connection Matthew had, right? That, I, nobody else liked him. The Pharisees and Sadducees wouldn't even come near them. All right? So what does it say happens here? When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now you have to understand, they were under... The law, right? They were under the, the old covenant, which was all about what you do, right? And these Pharisees and Sadducees, they'd make up laws just to fulfill them so they look good, okay? Ten commandments, but they had all these other commandments they came up with so they could say, look, I have 552 rules that I live by every day. Look at me, look at me. That's where they were at. And obviously, that was not what was intended. So when Jesus comes, he starts blowing them away. He, he is eating with tax collectors. That is a no-no. That will get you kicked out of every congregation there is. You do not eat with those people and their friends. Because at this point, he was sitting there. Matthew was like, um, I've got my level and below that I hang out with. Okay? Because nobody above that level is hanging out with you. We also know he's pretty wealthy. Okay? And so when they threw a party, they threw a party. Why do you think Jesus ate with those guys? It goes against everything all the other rabbis were doing. Why did he sit down and eat with them? He, just, he wanted to, even though, it says even though this was written under, under the old law, what he was showing us is, who should we reach out to? We're, right? He says, I'm the, I didn't come to reach these folks. I came to reach the lost, those that are hurting, those that are in need. 
Okay? Because remember, we're still talking under the old covenant where the Pharisees and Sadducees are, we've got all this done. But they were not helping people. What was he looking for? He was looking for mercy. Second chances. That's what I love about these passages. When you begin to understand the impact of this passage, the Pharisees and Sadducees are, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to start doing some work. Right? They didn't want anything to do with what Jesus was teaching because it, it changed. They would have to make a change. But more importantly, what he showed the people is, is that I care about you. I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. I love you. I've worked with a lot of youth. I've worked with a lot of adults over the years. And, and many times, I'd be talking to them about how Christ loved them. And that talking to them about accepting Christ as their Savior. And they would look at me and they say, Coop, you don't understand. You don't know what I've done. Right? Anybody ever had that experience? You don't know what I've done. There's no way. He, no, there's things I've done, no way. Coop, you don't understand. I killed somebody. No way that God wants me. I'm like, yeah, way. Check this out. That's why he came. He came for you. He came for me. Whatever the sin, it didn't matter. Okay, the only sin we don't want is unbelief because then we're messed up, right? So it isn't what we've done that gets us to heaven. It's what he's already done for us. You guys with me on that? And so these empty chairs, I know it's a holiday weekend, but who should we be bringing in? Everybody that's out there, the lost, right? And as we bring them in, we train them up, and we should just keep it going, right, guys? That's what we need to do. But if we ever get stale where there's no visitors, we better go back and take a look. Are we Pharisees? Are we followers of Yahweh? Do we follow Christ? I know about you, but that's, that's my rabbi. Well, always been my rabbi. So... Who are we to reach out to? The lost. Does that mean we can't talk to any, any Christians? No, I'm not saying that at all. We want to support, encourage each other. But I would say this. The church should more, be more of a hospital full of sinners than a house full of saints. Because to be honest with you, it'd be empty. All of us have sin in our lives. So we should be excited. We should be partying knowing that although I have this sin, God has forgiven me. I may have the consequence of this sin still, but he has forgiven me. Make sure I didn't leave anything out here. Every now and then I read my notes. Okay. Um, I've, been, I've been praying about this, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, we had a, a camp last month, and um, it was tremendous for, for those of us that got to go. Not just, you know, we always talk about getting the youth there, but man, when I can take my staff down there and we can experience what it is to do a week of camp with these kids, it's amazing the change in us. So we go down there to help change the kids, but we get changes. we're down there. And um, <clears throat> I want to end it with a, I've been doing some reading, and a guy named Graham Cook. Graham Cook is an older gentleman. He is all about God's grace, okay? The new covenant that we have. Now, I think all of us struggle with understanding God's grace because we look at it through the eyes of man. And so we get God's grace here rather than up here, okay? But I think Graham's probably in here somewhere. And um, 
as I was reading, he shared about dreams and how God speaks to him sometimes through dreams. He said, there's this one dream. I really like it. I am sitting in God's lap and I have got my head leaning on his shoulder and we are talking and he's smiling and I'm smiling. And that is a wonderful dream. Wouldn't you agree? That's pretty amazing. And then he goes, I got another dream that I have, and I'm on top of this hill, and there's like a, um, Terry, what's that thing you made for camp one year? Where you at? I heard, okay, bodega, a bodega, there we go. And uh, so you got this wooden thing up there, and you're stand, I'm standing up there, and I'm looking as Jesus is coming up the hill with all these kids and all these people. And they're skipping, and they're laughing, and they're smiling, and I'm excited for them to get up there. That's another cool dream. But then there's the third dream. I'm on that hill and I'm looking down and there's Jesus all by himself. And he's ticked. He is not smiling. He is not skipping. He is marching and he looks mad. You guys ever seen when you walk in and somebody looks mad? You know what we're talking about, right? Well, he looks mad. And as he gets closer, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he gets close enough and he looks at me and he says, give me back my stuff. And I'm like, what? What?" He said, give me back my stuff. Well, Jesus, everything I have. No. Give me back my stuff. And I'm getting nervous and I'm about to cry because I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do. And he says one more time, give me back my stuff. And I look at him. And he goes, I paid for it. I died for it. Give me back my stuff. The loneliness. Give me back the doubt. Give me back the fears. Give me what is holding you back. Your insecurities. Give me back my stuff. We're excited about the party that they had with Matthew, right? But guys, we should be excited about the party we have now because that stuff that is holding you back, it's God's. It is not yours anymore. He paid for it with his death on the cross. Quit holding on to it. It's not helping. Let it go. You guys get what I'm saying? Give me back my stuff. Daily, we need to look at that and say, what am I holding on to? Let it go. Send it back. It could radically change your life. Think of getting rid of your fears. That'd be pretty amazing in itself, right? What about the unforgiveness? The things you're holding against people? What about the lust? It's not yours to to deal with, people. Give it back. That's what he died for. We only take a little bit. Why not all of it? He died for all of it. Let's let it go and have a little party. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. I thank you that you want your stuff back. Lord, I pray that today we would seriously look at giving you your stuff back. Those last few things we might be holding on to, that not, not allowing us to forgive ourselves, the hurt, the pain, 
the anger, the bitterness, all the things that hold us back. Lord, may today be the day we let you have it and we become free to be the people, to be the followers of Jesus that you intended us to be. God, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name.